So we are continuing our prodigal series today as well, and uh, as we've mentioned over the last couple of weeks, the word prodigal means wastefully or recklessly extravagant. And so hopefully you might have kind of had that in the back of your mind over the last little while. Um, It's a really, really helpful thing that I hope you've seen has come through in the last couple of weeks and certainly will come through today. For those who haven't been around, uh, we're exploring this parable that Jesus told called the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, Jesus told these parables as a way of being able to help us to understand what the kingdom is like, what life is like the way that God created it to be, and that Jesus came to give us the opportunity to be able to experience. And in Luke 15, Jesus told three lost parables, including this one called the parable of the lost son. And we said over the last few weeks, it's interesting that it's actually ended up being called the parable of the prodigal son. When we understand that word prodigal as wastefully or recklessly extravagant, we can kind of understand that because of the choices that the younger son makes. Uh, But in actual fact, it's really the parable of the prodigal father, the wastefully or ruthlessly, recklessly extravagant father, as we're going to see today. And so Jesus tells this story as a way of helping us to understand what God's heart is like and how God responds to us when we choose to walk away from his best, but also when we have perceptions that aren't necessarily aligned with what God is really thinking and with what our reality is. And so uh, if you've been around the last couple of weeks, you know that we've got a video that we've recorded of the whole narrative, and then we kind of pause it in between to be able to hear the perspectives of one of the characters. So the first week we heard from the younger son, last week the older son. Uh, They're both up on YouTube if you do want to watch them or on our podcast. Uh, And today we're going to hear from the father. And as we've said The power of parables is that it gives us an opportunity to be invited into the events that we're hearing and say, how would I respond if I was this character or one of these characters in the story? But also, what does it mean for me to live out kingdom values? What does it mean for me to live the way that God has created me to live? So today is uh, our final week that we're exploring one of the characters, but I've been teasing that next week we are going to have a special guest. So Andrew Turner from West Beach Baptist is going to be joining us. Uh, Andrew has done some work on the idea of saying, what if there was a middle sister who was a part of the family as well? Recognising that all of us, uh, not all of us, are necessarily fully aligned with the younger son or with the older son or with the father. Some of us kind of feel caught in the middle of all of that and watch things happen around us and wonder how we can have conversations uh, with people who might be younger sons or older sons. And so he's going to be here next week uh, to share a different perspective and to be able to look at it from another angle, which is great as well. So I'm going to pray and uh, then I'll invite our father character to come up. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for this series and the opportunity that we've had to spend a significant amount of time in this story that has so much power in it. We are so grateful for the way in which you use stories uh, to stir our imagination and to help us understand what the kingdom is really like. And so as we re-enter into the story again today, and particularly as we focus on the father character who we know uh, you told this story, recognising that this is what God is like, that you would stir our hearts, that you would challenge us and remind us of how amazing our heavenly father is, that you would challenge our perceptions and our perspectives, but also that you would help us to hear the invitation that you are issuing to us to come and to join the party. And so we pray that you would speak to us now in your name. Amen.
such a heartbreaking conversation to have. Imagine this. Your child comes to you and says, Dad, I wish you were dead. The only thing you're really useful for is your money. I don't want to live here. You're just holding me back. Honestly, I'd be better off without you. So can't we just move this along? Obviously, I had a lot of extreme feelings that kicked in at that point. Disbelief, anger, sadness, confusion, shock, hurt, shame. I'd worked so hard to create a safe, secure future for my two boys, setting them up financially so they can thrive and have all they need. Most decisions were less about what was best for me and far more about actually what was better for them. In the end, they're now adults. So I wanted and actually I needed to respect their decisions and their choices. As often happens, I'm sure he was pretty clueless of what he was actually asking me for and just how much effort it would take to give him his inheritance. There's selling off assets, cashing investments, doing all the paperwork and it's not just for him. The only way was to split everything between the two of them so they could both have it. It meant an unplanned shift into retirement for me, effectively, and then handing everything over to them. You know what? And I knew it was a huge, huge risk. Was, was he actually ready for this level of responsibility? Would he hold on to the gifts that had been given to him? Would he recognise the value? It's the most loving thing to do to try and control, limit and hold him back in case he's not ready? Or should I trust in the work I'd done instilling our values into him and trust that he would make wise choices? You know what? I knew I couldn't hold him back. 
the damage that would have occurred by doing that, by trying to stop him and forcing him to do what was best, that would have been far worse than just letting him go and allowing him to find his own way. I can't believe he's gone. I know, Dad. I can't believe it either. Have you heard anything from him? Not, not directly. Um, but some of the people that I know, that know some people that he's been hanging out with, they've said that he's been living it up quite a lot. Hmm. I was, I was so devastated at this point. We'd heard nothing but rumours. And it was really hard to let him go. And you know what? <clears throat> as hard as it was to let me go, it was nothing. It was nothing compared to the reality I was experiencing. And also what my other son was experiencing. Obviously, I'd hope that he would at least stay in contact. Just, just let us know how you're doing and express some gratitude for the new freedom that he'd been given. But absolutely nothing. The weeks rolled on and on and on. And all I heard was just deafening silence. I missed him so much. I just missed the sound of his voice. I missed the things we used to talk about and do together. I just missed seeing him half asleep in the morning and then having him at the dinner table at night. And then there's the impact on his brother. He became, he just became so angry, so cold, and so bitter. In some ways, I actually, I actually lost both sons when this happened. Because even though my oldest son was still with me. He just wasn't present. And I couldn't talk with him about how I was feeling. Anytime I brought it up, he was, he was pretty dismissive. The bitterness would just rise to the surface. Sometimes he'd just walk out shaking. And also it didn't help that my reputation among our friends and neighbours had taken a massive hit can imagine 
the things people thought and said about my son asking for his inheritance. They just couldn't believe the nerve he had to even ask for it. But the fact that I not only didn't punish him, but actually let him have his inheritance? Most people thought I'd completely lost the plot. And actually most people lost their respect for me. This didn't help my eldest son one bit. Not only was he dealing with his own emotions about this whole situation, but any and every time he was in town, any and every time he was talking with someone, he knew exactly what they were thinking and how they were feeling about me. This burned him to the core. Sorry. I'm sorry. At times I, I, I just lose track of time. I lose track of things. It was just such a heartbreaking situation. So disorientating and the sadness really just, it, it crushed me. I really did just simply hope that this boy was okay. I missed my son. Hey son, now that you've taken over the business, how are you doing? I mean, I know things are really tight with the drought and the famine and everything else. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, I think it's one of the worst famines that there's ever been. Mm. Nothing's growing. I think restrictions are going to start kicking in soon. Mm. I, it's hard to see how anything's going to change, at least not in the near future. Wow. Okay. Hmm. I, I wonder how your brother's doing. I mean, I heard from someone in the market the other day. They thought they heard he'd been kicked out of where he was living. I don't know, Dan. I don't think I really care. Honestly, we have enough to think about and worry about right here. And I know there's a lot of people struggling right now because it's a famine and a lot of people probably want jobs. But as you can tell, I'm in an awful state. I don't have any money. I can't even afford food. So I'll do anything. Well, I do need to have somebody look after the pigs. It's not a job most people want, but it's all I've got. I'd take it. Well, I won't be able to pay you very much money. Um, not, won't be able to give you any extra food. The pigs need to eat though, and I don't want to catch you taking any of their food. I won't. Alright, well thank you. You know, as if things weren't already challenging enough, along comes this drought. It was more than brutal. One of the worst I've ever seen. 
people starving, rations, inflation, unemployment, and, and so much more. I tried not to overstep, but I knew how stressful it was to try and run a farm and a business in times like these. I could see the heavy burden on my eldest, trying to shoulder the load, looking after our employees, uh, actually his employees, and also he was trying to look after me. But you know what? At least I could see how he was doing. At least I knew he had some food and a roof over his head. But what about my other son? What about him? My, my mind went all over the place. I knew he would have to be struggling and we even heard he'd run out of money and heard he's probably living on the streets. I just don't get it. Why on earth didn't he just come home? What if something had happened to him? I just wanted to know if he was okay, where he was, even if he was alive. And I doubt myself, did I make the right call? Should I have said no? Should I have stopped him leaving? But what good would that have done? Honestly, I just wish he'd get in touch. Just give me the chance to tell him how much I missed him and how much I still loved him. I can't believe I took that job. What on earth was I thinking? That was so disgusting. I can't believe they wouldn't even let me eat what the pigs were eating. Actually, I can't believe that I'm so hungry I wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. This is definitely the right decision. Go back to my dad's farm and ask him for some work. I know he's always looked after his employees. So at least I'll have some food, somewhere to sleep. I'd better practice my speech again. Um, Father, I have sinned against both you and heaven, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Mm, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worth being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Yeah, that sounds good. Could today be the day he comes home? I miss him so much. I can't even imagine how badly things must be for him. I wish he'd just come home. But what if he's not even alive? What if something has happened to him? I don't, I don't know if I could deal with the pain. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven, and I'm no longer worth being called your son. 
Hey, hey guys, he's back. We we need to get a party going. Um, but first, get in that that good robe in my wardrobe and uh, the ring from the office and some new shoes. Get those new shoes. And uh, what else do we need? Yes, we're going to have a party. Get that fattened calf and get those steaks on the barbecue. You were lost to me, son, and now you are found. You were dead, but now you're alive. As usual, I was, I was sitting on the porch that day. It's, it's actually where I spent a lot of time. The farm and the business was my son's. And I was effectively retired, and honestly, there wasn't a lot to occupy my mind or my time. Just reinforced, really, how much I missed him. So often I'd, I'd just sit there, sometimes for hours, and I was just hoping I might just catch a little glimpse of him in the distance. Sometimes people would come and visit, but um, it wasn't him. You know, I thought it might be him and my heart would skip a beat just for a moment, but no, it, it wasn't him. And I know this sitting on the porch and looking for him and waiting for him is just driving my eldest absolutely crazy, me sitting there. I know he had given up. He'd lost any sense of expectation that his brother would ever come home and frankly didn't want him to come home anyway. Didn't even care. But I couldn't let go. I couldn't let go of hope. Well, you tell me. What's the alternative? Just assume he was dead? Assume he'd never come back? even if there was just a tiny, tiny little bit of hope, I had to hold on to that. And then on that day, that was a glorious day. I couldn't believe it when I saw him. It was really him. And finally, after all this time waiting on the porch and hoping, well, There he was. Now, in our culture, I I knew it was completely, completely undignified to run to him and embrace him like I did. And it was just one more thing for the neighbours to add to their gossip list about me. But who cares what they thought? I certainly didn't. This was my son. After all this time, weeks, months, I don't know, it seemed like, millennia to me, and I wasn't going to stand and wait. I was going to show him how much I missed him and how thrilled I was just to have him back. If anyone thought or thinks less of me for that, well, so be it. I I just don't care. I wrapped my arms around him and he started to mumble something, but, you know, my mind and my heart, man, they were racing And I wasn't even listening to what he had to say. I just knew one thing. We had to make him understand he was home. That he was welcome. 
that he was still my son, no matter what had happened. And you know, I can't just say it to him. I had to show him the robe. It's one of the best, the finest, and it's actually the most expensive piece of clothing I owned. Robes have been a symbolic garment of honour, a garment of prestige and protection, a garment that signifies belonging for a long, long, long time in this culture. And no longer would he have to wear the dishevelled, stinky clothes that symbolised his life and choices. He was home. He was protected and he was embraced and covered. And then there was the ring. My signet ring. The symbol of authority. The empowering to make decisions as well as a symbol of great affection and deep, deep love. And in our family, we have a, we have a thing for shoes. So uh, he had worn out his shoes. He didn't even have any. From all the walking he had done, and goodness knows what. So others needed to see that he wasn't just a servant. He was part of the family. He was one of us. I wanted to show him that not only was he forgiven, he was restored. And there were no barriers, nothing to be done, nothing to be earned. He was my son. My son. That had never changed and would never change. I would do whatever was necessary to show him this, and so much more. Hey, welcome home! Did you hear the great news? No, what news? Your brother, he came home! Finally, after all this time, he's finally come back, and your dad... Your dad is beside himself. I haven't seen him this happy for a long, long, long time. And you know that, like, big calf that we've been fattening up, ready to have a nice barbecue at some point? Mm. He's done it. He killed it. All the steaks are ready. The barbecue's on. This is going to be the greatest party ever. This has to be a joke. Are you kidding? I am not having any part of this if this is what the party is for. Hey! Oh, thanks. Did you hear the good news? Just then? Yeah, your brother's home and we're having a party to celebrate. And now you're here, we can really go for it. <laughs> How can we be celebrating? He left. After all he's done. After all I've done. What, what do you mean? Well, he went off. I've been here slaving away, working the farm. We got through that really tough drought. It hasn't been easy. And he's just been off partying and whatever. When have I asked for anything? I didn't... Want a, I didn't, haven't asked for a party, didn't even ask for a goat to be slaughtered for me and my friends to eat. And, and now this? It's... My son, my son, you've always been with me. Everything I have is yours. It's yours as well. But your brother, he was dead. And now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. Come in, celebrate with us. 
<laughs> you know what? That party was amazing. We invited everyone we knew. Everyone and anyone who had come. We had the best of everything. Food, wine, music, company and entertainment. I can't even begin to communicate to you the joy it brought me to see my son at home finally. To hear his voice again and see him reconnecting. To see him smiling, laughing and belonging. Man, I, I just, I couldn't wait. I just couldn't wait for his older brother to come home. What a reunion this was going to be. We'd finally be all back together. And so I, I kept looking out for him and waiting for him to come home after work. And when I heard that front door, I could not wait to let him know what had happened. <laughs> it was interesting. I didn't get the exact response I was expecting. But I did understand where he was coming from. He'd worked really hard and given so much of himself through this situation and time. But as, as, he, as he responded, I, I realised something. He, he'd actually missed some very, very significant things and all that had gone on. His reaction to say that he continued to work hard for me, that he felt like I'd stopped him being able to have parties with his friends, well, somehow he missed the fact that when I split things up, that was it. He got half of everything. He owned the business. He was in charge. It was his farm. It was his money. He wanted to have a goat curry with his mates. Well, it was his goat. You know, it really broke my heart that he'd been striving all this time, trying to earn something when it was his. And I wanted him to see that what was lost, it's now been found. And what we thought we would never have again was brought back to life. The power of celebration, of feasting, of just being together. I didn't want him to miss out on any of that. In some ways, the party was a, a similar reality to his bigger perspectives. Everything had been prepared, everything was ready, he was invited, welcomed, part of it. Now the question was whether he'd received the gifts that had been prepared for him. Would he accept the invitation and participate? Or would he choose to just stay on the outer, which would have been heartbreaking? Life, the way it was supposed to be, that's worth celebrating and that's worth saying yes to.
So as we've done throughout this series, we're going to take a few minutes to unpack our perspectives on that. Uh, Our older kids are going to head out with Sarah, Marie and Scott to be able to have some conversations together. Uh, So older kids, you can head out there now. You're going to head out into the cafe space today, just for something a bit different, because then you're going to come back in and join us for communion in a couple of minutes' time. Uh, But we want to take some time just to kind of turn to the people around us and uh, unpack these same questions that we've been looking at, but look at them through the lens of the Father. So why do you think Jesus included this character in the story? Why do you think Jesus had the character respond the way that they did? How else could the character have responded? And that is a really key one to think about, particularly how do you think Jesus' listeners would have thought that the Father was going to respond? And what do you think Jesus was trying to teach us about kingdom living from this character's perspective? So we're going to take a few minutes to have some conversations and uh, then we'll come back together so that we can share in communion and then move into uh, our feast together. So let's have a chat. Let's get you some 